0: remnant. We've got the elect here this morning, the favored ones, the house of Zion. How many of you guys love building forts as a kid? Is anyone else in here? Man, oh man, I don't know what it was. We would get out the chairs and you'd put the bed sheets over it and the blankets. You'd have the multiple rooms. And, uh, and then when we moved, that was a glorious thing. And you had all the boxes and you could kind of make the tunnels, the different, but ba- you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Well, I was super into forts as a kid, just always building them, just blankets everywhere. I remember one time uh, my friend Keith Donnelly and I, in fifth grade, we got a major upgrade in the fort building. And so uh, remember the days where you could like, ride your bike a couple miles away from your house and your parents didn't even know where you were and you had to come home before dark. It was like during those eras, like what were our parents thinking? I would never let my kids do that. So it was during this crazy era when parents trusted their children. And so, um, and so you know, we rode out and we decided to go into the woods. And so we rode into the woods and we came across a pre tree house with two stories, a two-story treehouse. And so it looked pretty abandoned. It, would look, it was made out of some two-by-four, some plywood, held together by some grandma's prayers. I'm not sure how the thing was staying there. So we kind of reinforced it a little bit. We didn't do much to it. But i we we're exploring it, we're writing our names in it, and we're just having a grand old time. So we, you know, we had the sticks. We're pretending they're snipers. We, you know, we're uh, defending the fort. And uh, for some reason, we decided to, uh, to kind of improve the defenses. Oh, we named it the Fortress of Solitude. Yes, for all you uh, Krypton fans. And so, the, uh, so we decided to arm the Fortress of Solitude with some defensive weapons. And so uh, we got two buckets of uh, water from the creek, some dirty water, and we started filling up uh, t- um, two liters. Like when we'd get two liters, we just kind of take the empty two liters. We had them, and we had uh, rocks of different sizes, lots of different rocks of different sizes. Every time we'd go to the fortress, we'd just kind of get some new stuff. So we kind of had like an armory, like a little room. There was other things. We were carving our name in the trees and all sorts of stuff. One day, as we're just minding our own business, Keith Donnelly and I, I wonder if Keith Donnelly would ever hear this message. I hope that somehow, if you know Keith Donnelly from Fort Wright, Kentucky, get this message to him, all right? I know his phone number, what it used to be when I was in fifth grade. I don't know if he still has his phone number. Anyway, so um, his dad was a fireman. Anyway, so the, uh, so Anyway, so we're there, and some bullies from a different school wandered into the woods. And so uh we see them and we're kind of you know uh, we got our you know little sniper rifles and sticks and so the bullies come up there and they notice that we're in there and they're like hey is this your your uh tree house we're like yeah and they're like well it's ours now and i'm like well what do you mean and uh, i won't repeat their language but they gave us some strong verbal encouragement with some promises attached to them if we didn't leave let's just put it that way and so um well you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna stop the story there and we'll pick it up towards the end how are we doing it's called an open loop. It's a speaking technique. <laughs> turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. We'll finish the story. <laughs> Believe me, we are about to rain fire. Okay, this is going to be so good. Anyway, uh, turn with me to 2 Corinthians 9. This year, we're focusing on four pillars of Zion. We've got a slide up there that kind of has a picture of the four pillars. Zion is a place where people encounter God, can belong and, belong and never stand alone, get trained and equipped, and are commissioned to change the world. And so we're in a series on that first pillar Next slide of uh, encountering God. Let me just say this: every dream in your heart will be met in the secret place. Every piece of your call and your destiny will come out of your time with shaping and shaping in the secret place. A lot of people think that they're gonna get prepared on stage, but God prepares you in secret. Psalm 91:1's got a beautiful picture. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Just in case you're wondering, this is gonna be a message that's gonna make you feel bad for not spending enough time in the secret place. This is not one of those. This, yeah, yeah we're, we, yeah, we're into the new covenant and it's good news, not the old covenant. Yeah, I don't know if you guys, old covenant preaching is trying to disqualify you and make you feel bad for not being good enough. New covenant preaching is trying to unveil Jesus to you and showing you that because of Him, you are now qualified. So any of those messages that make you feel bad, that's called Old Covenant, and you can turn it off. How we doing? All right. That one was free, not in the notes, but I'm inspired by my fortress of solitude. I'm just feeling extra bold here because I know the end of the story. So the psalmist, he talks about this dwelling in this secret place. It's a picture of drawing so close to God, it's almost as if you're under his shadow, you're under his wing. Matthew 6, 6, uh, Jesus is teaching them how to, first he taught them how not to pray, and now he's uh, giving these instructions. But, when you, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Boy, there's a bunch of gems in there. Now, the New Testament was written in Greek, and the word there for room, go into your room, is sometimes translated as closet. But here's what that word means. It means inner chamber or secret room. And so here we have it. It gets translated as the secret place. So in the Hebrew mind, uh, the secret place, this inner chamber, this room, it's not a physical location that you had to go to to preach. It's a posture of your heart that allowed you to be aware of God who was already there. Okay, How many of you guys have ever seen those Jewish prayer shawls? Jewish prayer shawl. <laughs> Next slide. This, this is the notion for, there we go, Jewish prayer shawl. There it is. <laughs> So they're called a tallit, and a tallit literally means little tent. And so just about every Jewish man would have worn this. A lot of people think that Paul, the tent maker, was actually making these little tents. He was a prayer shawl guy. No way of knowing that, just just what some people think. And here's the idea. The idea is that you cover your head and you go into this little tent, and they literally called it their prayer closet their little tent. The idea wasn't that you had to go into some room away or get on some retreat in some faraway land where it's quiet. The idea was anywhere you were, you could shut yourself in with the Lord, and you could have an intimate conversation just between you and him. Does that open it up for anybody there? You're like, hold on, are you selling prayer shawls afterwards? No, you don't even need a prayer shawl. Your secret place is God himself, Okay. And anytime that you close, anytime you focus your attention and you shut out all the distractions, you are now in that secret place. If you want to get something and throw it over your head, you can do that. Um, so you guys heard, uh, heard of John Wesley, the Wesleyan church, John and Charles Wesley, they are great, uh, you know, great revivalists of the past. Um, uh, John and Charles mom had 19 kids. And so she, um, what she would do is she would throw her apron over her head And that was like a big do not disturb sign. Mom needs time with God. And so she would throw it up and the kids would uh, just leave her alone and she would have her secret place. She would have that time where she could just connect in. I love it. It says that um, you pray to your father who is in the secret place. This is the place where you meet the father. And I tell you what, this world is in desperate need of a revelation of a good father. Whoever God is to you, he will be through you. That's why there's so many unhappy Christians out there i haven't realized that there's a smiling face of God. He says he rejoices over you with singing. This isn't, this isn't that secret place where you catch the heart of who he is so we can fl- reflect what dad is really like. Here's the title of the message, and it's the message in one sentence. You cannot replace the secret place. And get this, you get rewarded openly for what you do in secret with the father. This is crazy. A lot of people are trying to, trying to earn God's approval, trying to do all these things. And he's like, listen, just come be with me in secret. And we're going to get a prophetic picture of what happens in the secret place in just a second from the story of Jehu. How many of you guys love Jehu? I think I spoke on Jehu a couple years ago. And I, you'll see, I wanted to get a Jehu license plate. You're going to see why here in just a second. He's, he's very special. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I like how Bill Johnson says it. David killed the lion and the bear when no one was looking, so you could slay the giant when everyone was looking. We kill those lions and bears in that time in the secret place with the Lord so God can reward you openly. Guys, most of what we need to learn, we need to learn alone. Listen, I love conferences. I love corporate environments. And we, we believe in impartation, where God has a grace in your life that you can take and you can pray and you can impart that to someone else. What I cannot impart is my history with God. You can receive that grace, but you need to have your own history with God where you can, uh, and history is primarily in the secret place when nobody is watching. Now, I'm going to give you a picture of what happens in the Old Testament. The Old Testament will often have things that happen physically that represent spiritual realities in the New Testament, okay? So in the Old Testament, they were physically circumcised. If we could get that slide, I'm just kidding. In the Old Testament, they were physically circumcised, which represents a spiritual circumcision of the heart, a cutting away of the sin nature, right? Physical in the Old Testament, spiritual in the New Testament. And in the Old Testament, they were physically uh, delivered out of slavery in Egypt. And the New Testament said, that's like that slavery in Egypt. You had a hard taskmaster and harsh and there was no hope. He said, that's like being a slave to sin that you've now been freed from, All right? There was a physical promised land They walked in the abundance and the promises of God. And he says, this is now that place of rest that you have entered into spiritually, and so we're going to see here, there's going to be a physical picture of a secret place. We're going to see what happens in it physically, and it's going to represent New Testament, what happens spiritually. So 2 Kings chapter 9, you guys still there? Yeah. Let me set the context. Remember Elijah the prophet. He was, during, uh, he was the prophet during the time of King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Picture the worst leaders you can imagine. So they're, they're uh, having the country turn their hearts from God, turning towards sexual immorality, idolatry, people who don't agree with them, they're having them killed, just wickedness, wicked, you know, people have land, they're just killing them and taking the land, just all sorts of things going on. So king, how many of you guys have heard of Jezebel? Like no one's naming their child Jezebel for a reason, right? I mean, it's, it's <laughs> I remember, yeah, I remember I, yeah, my friend's last name was uh, Belle, and I'm like, don't name your like, daughter like Jesse Bell. It sounds too close to even that, that's even too close. So Elijah, he's a prophet during uh, King Ahab and, and uh, Queen Jezebel. He's warring against them. It's a dark time for Israel. Elijah goes up to heaven in the fiery chariot, passes the baton to his uh, protege Elisha. And now Elisha starts a school of the prophets. Which was the Old Testament version of Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry? Come on, somebody! Starts to, uh, Second night is tonight. There we go. Yeah, yeah, Sean's liking that one. And so Ahab is now dead, and Queen Jezebel is reigning her wickedness and terror all over the land. And now Elisha the prophet, the protege of Elijah, he's going to anoint Jehu to open up a can of whiptail in this whole situation. Okay? That's, that's that's the passion translation that I just quoted for. I No, it's not saying that. All right. Second Corinthians chapter nine, verse one. From the English Standard Version. Then Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets, this is part of his school here, and said to him, tie up your garments and take this flask, tie up your garments because he's getting ready to run. He's getting ready to move. Tie up your garments and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. It was a city. And when you arrive, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and go in and have him rise from among his fellows and lead him to an inner chamber remember there's going to be something physically happening here in the secret place we're going to see it's going to give us insight into what happens spiritually for us verse 3 then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say thus says the lord i anoint you king over israel remember Jezebel she's the one reigning in this thing and god saying listen i'm no longer i, I never recognized her i'm raising up somebody then open the door and flee do not linger i have no idea what that's about that's just kind of a cool detail dump the oil out of there, all right? Verse 4, "'So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead. He went to the city. And when he came, behold, the commanders of the army were in council. And he said, "'I have a word for you, O commander.' And Jehu said, "'To which of us all?' And he said, "'To you, O commander.' So he arose and went into the house. And the young man poured the oil on his head, saying to him, "'Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anoint you king over the people of the Lord over Israel.' I like this part. And you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets. Yeah, she had the prophets killed. And the blood of all the servants of the Lord. Verse 8. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from, every, from Ahab every male, bond, or free in Israel. Hit the pause button here. Um, we see a lot of uh, killing of enemies in the Old Testament. Has anyone noticed that? Like, it gets a lot nicer in the New Testament. Old Testament just... A lot of blood. It's like, it's like Braveheart, like almost you know, a couple of different chapters, and like the Patriot. It's just like there's a whole bunch of stuff going on there. What in the world's going on? In the Old Testament, these people could not be redeemed. They, they had a sin nature. They, they could have to offer sacrifices. They could serve the Lord, um, but they, were, they weren't redeemable, and so these people who were demonized, they couldn't be redeemed. The only thing that they could do was kill them in the Old Testament, so we got something better in the new, but I want you to recognize this. The enemies of Israel were put to death, that's physical in the Old Testament and the New Testament that we're to put to death the enemies of our soul. Any of those things—they're not people. Those spirits behind it, those things that would pull us away from the Lord. Okay, so when we're seeing all this killing, and there's about to be a whole bunch. How we doing? All the junior hires are excited. Here we go, and um, and the adult men. Anyway, so the uh, <laughs> I'm excited, and I've already read this story. Uh, just recognize we're not doing that today, but we're to take that same zeal and put it towards the enemies of our soul. All right. That was a lot of Old Testament theology right there. That'll, that should help somebody. I'm just going to read verse 7 again. And you shall strike down the house of Ahab, your master, so that I may avenge on, the, avenge on Jezebel the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish, and I will cut off from Ahab every male, bond, or free in Israel. And I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like those of Basha and son of Ahijah. And the dog shall eat Jezebel in the territory of Jezreel. That was a, a city. And none shall bury her. Then he opened the door and fled. Let's just close in prayer. I think it's all self-explanatory, right? Now, growing up, I often heard, uh, we all, I often heard about the call. And, and, and the call meant like, hey, did you get the call? Meaning like, are you called to preach? That was like the only thing that counted growing up was the call to preach. There was, and um, here's the thing, guys. Every single one of you has a call to change the world. You don't have to have a pulpit, you don't have to have a a title in front of your name. Every single one of you is called to lead in whatever sphere you're in. Some of you it's business, some of you it's education, family, government, arts and entertainment, media, some in the church world, some in healthcare. some in technology. But every single one of you are called to carry the presence of God and have heaven invade earth wherever you go. Not everyone is not everyone's called to lead at a national level, but everyone is called to lead at, a, lead at a local level, and I believe the influence at a national level, uh, at least churches are, that disciple nations is not just for a select group of people. It's for anyone who raises their hand and says yes. Okay, So here's what separates the, uh, the called from the chosen. Uh, the one, remember that verse, many are called, few are chosen? The cho- everyone's called, the chosen are the ones who say Yes. So I don't know about you. I hate moving. We've moved like 12, 13 times in 27 years of marriage. I'm convinced that hell will be filled with cardboard boxes and just moving them around for eternity. I have no proof of that. I don't know how the cardboard stays in the fire. It's just going to be horrible. It's just going to be horrible, okay? And so um, here's what it looks like. Is like uh, you know, like, hey, I'm moving, and so you send out the invitation to a whole bunch of friends, and they begin, immediately begin thinking of excuses for how they can get out of moving day, right? It's like, hey, um, how about you just give up a whole Saturday for a few slices of pizza, right? That's like, the, that's like the invitation. We got pizza, like, that's not enough. Like, I hate moving. And so the, so the Facebook invitation goes out, the text goes out, many are called, but only a few say yes, and the few who say yes are the ones who are chosen. You guys getting the picture? Are you glad we hired movers so I don't get this? You'll be like, hold on, you're a hypocrite. You asked us to move. No, we hired movers last time because of this very reason. And so many are called, uh, few are chosen. And so um, to choose you is not the call. The, everyone, God, the, the, the chosen are the ones who say Yes. I uh, remember the, uh, there was a, a lady in the 70s, uh, Catherine Kuhlman. She was a great healing revivalist. And she said this, I believe I'm God's third choice. The two men God chose before me didn't respond. Why did, what, what made her special? She raised her hand and responded. Okay? So in this story, God is setting some things up in Israel. He's bringing the king of Israel and Judah together. And so the king of Israel, bad king of Judah, bad, so God's bringing them together in the city of Joram, and he is going to, uh, together with, uh, Joram is is the son of uh, Ahab, and he's going to kill them all in one one fell swoop, so he's got this whole coup going, he's got this awesome plan going, and, um, okay, my notes got strangely confusing here for a second, (laughs) I rearranged some things during worship that made sense during worship that no longer make sense. He's setting up some awesome things. Really awesome things. This is not part of that open loop technique I was telling you about. This is genuine confusion. Let's put all that on hold for a second. Let's go back to this idea of the secret place and what happens in the secret place. Again, listen, guys. We, we love the corporate gatherings. We we love the we love the, the impartation, the things that get caught in the atmosphere. We we love we love all that stuff. And uh, but there's some things that can only be found in the secret place. So there's this rare leopard called the amur leopard. <laughs> Isn't she lovely? There's the Amur leopard. So um, just a few years ago, there only 20 to 25 still alive in, uh, in captivity. And here's the thing. They are only found in one region of Russia, the primory region of Russia. Listen, if you had a burning desire to see this leopard, you could go to Africa. You could go to the U.S. You could go to Canada. You can go to Europe. But you know what? There's only one place you're going to find this leopard in, uh, in the whole world, and that was in the Primorye region of Russia, okay? There's an anointing that is released to you that you can only get in the secret place. You can look for it in conferences. You can look for it on listening to podcasts. You can look for it in debating with your friends. You can look for it on Facebook. You ain't going to find it on Facebook. I like to tell you, um, uh, you, listen, there's things you can receive from other places, but there's some things that only get released to you when it's you and God alone. And that's the secret place. You can travel to the best world, the best conferences all over the world, all those things, but there's, you cannot replace the secret place. Here we're going to see um, Jehu. He gets a word, and he separates himself into an inner chamber. He separates himself into this, uh, into this secret place, and the first thing that happens is oil is poured on him. A lot of people say, um, Jim, God is hard to find. I, I just can't find God. Here's some good news. He's not hiding. He's, he's not hard to find. What we have to do is we've got to still ourselves. We've got to get away from the distractions. We've got to get into that secret place. Matthew 6, 7, and when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. Get away from the distractions. Shut them down. Pull your apron up over your head. Whatever you have to do to get in that place, put up the do not disturb sign. Go to your car and pretend you're going to the grocery store. Like Whatever you have to do, uh, just get away from the distractions. And God is calling and He's saying, will you separate yourself? Because in that secret place, in that inner room, I've got something special that I can only release to you in that place. I don't know about you guys, lately I've just been feeling a pulling to just get away with the Lord. I've got this couch in my office, and there's just something about it. It's like when I sit on the couch, it's like God's waiting for me there. I just got some good news. That, that's not unique to me. The God, he, uh, listen, if you get woken up at three in the morning uh, and feel an urge to pray, it's not the devil tempting you to pray. Man, just respond to that. Even if you just get next to your bed and just say, God, I'm here. Like, like I'm a little bit tired and everything, but Lord, I want you more than I want anything else. And it just, as you begin to honor those little invitations, those little nudges, you just respond. I'm not saying you have to set aside hours. But when you feel that pulling, man, whatever you have to do, just get away. Get alone. Just, just put your thoughts in him and just see what he does. See what he says. So many things war against the secret place. If you and I are going to shape the culture of this region and disciple a nation, we're going to need to be smeared with his presence. We're going to need the oil poured all over us. Moses was not prepared uh, to be the deliverer in the courts of Pharaoh, but in the desert alone with God. David was not prepared in the king's palace, but in the field where he got adjusted. He got tuned into what really matters. He got tuned into how God's voice sounds. Paul was not prepared to be the apostle to the Gentiles in the temple courts under the rabbi Gamaliel. He was prepared for three years in the desert of Arabia where he learned God's voice and Jesus revealed himself to him. God develops your life in secret, not on stage. Guys, we gotta get this. God develops your life in secret, not on stage. I love this verse on Isaiah 49 too. I just recently found this. In the shadow of his hand he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. This is an extra long pause. I love that. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. He made me into a polished arrow and concealed me in his quiver. He hides you in the palm of his hand, and he fashions you into a weapon. And it's in this secret place of prayer the Lord begins to develop your life and anoint your life so he can send you out as a polished arrow. See, God, not only does he anoint you in this secret place, but he reveals his story to you. See, there's a story that God is doing across the earth, in the world, in America, in Ohio, in Columbus, in your life. And the prophet comes uh, in the middle of the story, and he anoints Jehu, and then he tells him the story of what God is about to do in the nation. A lot of people, they do not understand the story of what God is doing. They think like, God has lost it, like, you know, have you seen the national debt? Have you seen what the liberals are doing? Have you seen what the conservatives are doing? Have you seen North Korea and China? And they got all their eyes on what the devil's doing i got some good news for you guys. God wants to get alone with you and let you know what he's doing. And if you're not filled with hope, I promise you, you're listening to the wrong voice. Amen. Have you ever watched a book, uh, I mean watched a book, have you ever read a book or watched a movie and you're just totally lost? You're like, I have no idea what's going on. Third, movie, third Matrix movie? Like, like, I still have no idea what happened in that movie. People try to explain it, I'm like, I, I, have, I don't get it at all. Um, the TV show Lost? I, I don't get it. I, like, I quit after like the third season. Like, I have no idea what's going on, okay? Um, listen, it's hard to be discouraged in the secret place because God is letting you know what he's going to do. Okay, you're not going in the secret place, and you're like, this is even worse than I thought. That's not what happens there. See, in the world's eye, it looks like it's just about hopeless. So how many of you um, used to watch or maybe currently do big-time wrestling? You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, my gosh, there's like two people who are going to admit it here. (laughs) All right, this illustration is going to bomb. So 1984, um, I think this is when I, uh, as a kid, fell in love with wrestling. I don't watch it anymore, but I, I loved it as a kid. I remember my dad told me it was fake. It was worse than finding out Santa wasn't real. I'm like, there's no way Jimmy Superfly Snooka is flying off the top rope and doing this body press. There's just no way. And so, but I remember 1984, I'm at Keith Donnelly, uh, not Keith Donnelly, Keith Boswell's house, different Keith, Saturday morning, and it was the matchup between Hulk Hogan and the Iron Sheik for the championship. Anyone remember this match? It was, a, it, was, it was a breakthrough match, okay? And so Hulk Hogan, you know, he'd just been in the Rocky III movie, and so now all of a sudden he's coming into the wrestling world. He'd been wrestling in Japan. Now he comes in, and it is on. The Iron Sheik was the bad guy. He hated America. He's always putting America down. So, you know, how they, they write the scripts. You really hate the person. So he comes in, and now here comes Hulk Hogan. He comes in. He's, he's doing his thing, and is running wild. He's tearing off his shirt, and it is on. And Hogan's doing good at first. And then the Iron Sheik beats him down and puts him in a Boston Crab hold. Oh man, nobody, nobody gets out of the Boston Crab hold. But somehow Hulk Hogan did a push up and got out of it. Then it got even worse. The Iron Sheik put him in his signature move called the Camel Clutch. You guys remember the Camel Clutch? Hulk Hogan's laying on his stomach, his body bending backwards. The Iron Sheik has his hands, his fingers clasped on Hulk Hogan's forehead, and is pulling him back into submission. No one has ever escaped. From the camel clutch before, all hope is lost. Me and Keith Boswell, we're about ready to cry. We can't believe it. Hulk Hogan, this isn't supposed to happen. This is this is the good guy. This is the bad guy. He hates America. Hulkamania, and um, all of a sudden, Hulk Hogan started getting the shakes. We didn't know that this is what he did every single match. Because what I'm talking about he starts getting the shakes, and this was a good thing. Hulk Hogan gets the shakes, and so you know, and so like you know, the refs like has his arm up. And it's like, you know, they do this thing, and if it drops the third time, they get disqualified. It means the person's completely out of it. So it goes down once, goes down twice. Third time he just no, Whoa. His hand was able to stay up, and then it started shaking. There started being a trembling. And it was like, no, no, no. He's in the camel clutch. Nobody gets out of the camel. He started shaking, and then somehow he gets his knees out. Somehow he pushes the you know sheik into the back, drops the atomic knee on him, and does the one, two, three, pins it, the place goes crazy. Okay? Listen, we're in that season right now where it looks like Hulk Hogan's in the camel clutch. It's like, it's like Hollywood's evil, the news is evil, there's nothing happening, I don't know what's happening. I got some good news for you guys. That's not the end of the story. There are tremors in the spirit that are happening. The arm may have dropped a time. It may have dropped a second time, but I tell you what. Hulkamania. Is running wild, baby. Go watch it; it is awesome. I watched it again yesterday, and I teared up. I did. It was awesome. I'm not kidding. When the way the crowd went nuts, that his parents at the end, he's got the championship under the Giants is pouring champagne in him. He's got it all in his eyes. Awesome, guys. It's not the end of the story, but God. Uh, well, I want you to look what God did. He took one, anointed one man in this secret place who went and changed the destiny of a nation. God, He's looking for people who will put off all the distractions get alone with him, get anointed, and get God's perspective on the story. And here's what happened, is he got commissioned out of that encounter. Okay? This is, listen, God is releasing game changers on the earth. I'm going old school today on a whole bunch of things. How many of you guys remember the Detroit Piston bad boys, late, 90s, early, or late 80s, early 90s? How many of you guys remember Vinny the Microwave Johnson? Remember VJ? See, I'm from Detroit. We went to those games. We had season tickets to those games. VJ, he... Um, he had a really unorthodox style. Remember how he would shoot it? It was like he was like throw it out of out of the top there. But they called him the microwave because he could heat up in a hurry. He didn't start, and they would send him in. He could get like 14 points in like just a matter of minutes. He just was unguardable when he was hot. When he was cold, he never hit a shot. They just pull him. They would put him in, and if he was hot, they'd leave him in. If not, Vinny the microwave Johnson. He could come in. He literally could change the course of a game in just a few minutes. Okay. God is raising up game changers. He's raising up people who are looking for people who will raise their hand and say, God, I will separate myself to the inner room of prayer. I'm going to separate myself to that secret place. And I'm going to get that word that possesses my life. Listen, guys, until you have a word from the Lord that possesses your life, you're really not living. You're just treading water. Listen, I love at the end of Jesus' life, he's like, Father, I finished the work you gave me to do. Here's the reality, guys. You're either doing the work that the Lord gave you to do or you're not. There's no in-between. Not trying to make anybody feel bad. The way you're going to find out the work you're supposed to do is alone with the Father. When he's speaking to your heart, he, he's giving those impressions. Those desires are coming up. Things are beginning more clear. Doors are opening. Other doors are closing. Just to complete the story here, so Jehu, he, uh, he gets this word. He gets anointed. Him and his, his men ride out, and they kill the evil kings. Israel, Judah, uh, the, the son of um, uh, Jezebel, Here's verses 16 and 20. I, this really isn't super important part of the story. I just wanted you to see the zeal this guy has, okay? Verses 16 through 20, right for this? And then Jehu mounted his chariot and went to Jezreel, for Joram lay there. That was the um, son of Jezebel. He was the future king. And Ahaziah, king of Judah, had come down to visit him. Remember, God's getting this coup, so they're all going to get slayed in one fell swoop. Now the watchman was standing on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Jehu as he came and said, I see a company. So imagine this. So here's Joram in his, in his fortress. Here's Jehu in his army, and he sees this. So the, king, the evil king's like, hey, I see this guy. Are these guys. Are they friendly? All right? I see a company. And Joram said, take a horseman and send him to meet him, and let them say, is it Peace. So, uh, so, a man on his horseback went to meet him and said, Thus says the king, is it peace? And Jehu said, What do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me. So good. And the watchman reported, saying, The messenger has reached them, but he's not coming back. Imagine the guy with the, with the binoculars. Like, yeah, the guy went out, he ain't coming back, all right? So Joram says, Well, verse 19, well, it sent out a second horseman who came to, who came to him and said, Thus the king has said, Is it peace? And Jehu answered, what do you have to do with peace? Turn around and ride behind me. And again, the watchman reported. He reached them, but he's not coming back. And now here's uh, Jehu advancing on his chariot. And the driving is like the driving of Jehu, the son of Nimshi, for he drives furiously. You could tell who it was just by the way he's driving his chariot. I don't know why I love that so much. How many of you are like, that's the way they describe your driving, for he drives furiously? Officer, I just want to say the spirit of Jehu came upon me. I just, it's not my fault. So Jehu, he executes Jezebel. Okay, this story is bonkers. So he rides up to her and she comes out all dialed up and she lays out some seductive speech. Jehu says to the servants behind her, hey, are you guys with me or are you with her? They say, we're with you. He says, take her down and throw her. They throw her out the window. Blood splatters on Jehu's horses. His horses trample, trample over her. And here's the next verse. Then he went in and ate and drank. He just kills the queen, tramples on her with the horses, and goes and finishes her lunch. Does anyone else love the spiritual fortitude of Jehu? This is a man's man here. I tell you what. So, um, uh, so Jehu says, okay, go bury her. We don't want this, this person in here. They go out to bury her. The dogs had eaten her body. So there's nothing left to bury. But um, this was prophesied by Elisha. And so, um, uh, yeah, I don't know if we're going to read that part. He executes all 70 of Ahab's sons in Samaria. I know we're going through a lot of stuff here. It's just too good not to talk about And so I love how he kills the seventy sons of Ahab. He sends—they're all in Samaria—and so he sends letters to the elders in the city and says, "Are you with me, or are you you against me? If you're for me, here's how you can show me: cut off the heads of all of Jehu's sons, or not Jehu—all of um, Jezebel's uh, sons and and Joram's sons—and put them in a basket and bring them to me." And so they bring seventy heads, and he piles them up in the city gates and says, "How you like me now?" Basically. (laughs) We'll close the story on Jehu right here. Um, oh, no, there's one more part. Okay, uh, 2 Kings 10, 15, and 16. I know a lot of this doesn't have to do with the secret place, but you need to seal the zeal that, see the zeal of Sagai like I had. Verse 15, And when he departed from there, he met jo- Johanabab, the son of Re- Rechab. <clears throat> Larry, Daryl, and Daryl come to meet him. And he greeted him and said to him, Is your heart true to my heart as mine is to your? And jo- Je- Je- Jehonahab said, It is. Jehu said, If it is, give me your hand. So he gave him his hand, and Jehu took him up with him into the chariot. And he said, come with me and see my zeal for the Lord. So he had him ride in his chariot. Is this the craziest story? He's like, you for me or against me? I'm for you. Well, let's see how, I want you to see my zeal for the Lord. And takes him out for a furious chariot ride. (laughs) Officer, it was my zeal for the Lord. It's not my fault. Can I just tell you how the story ends? (laughs) So seventy heads laying at the gate, and so he kind of keeps it in wraps a little bit. And so there's this temple where all the Baal worship is going. So remember, all these prophets, they killed all the you know most of the good prophets. These are evil, evil people. And so Jahab says, um, "Oh, you thought your father Joram was zealous for Baal? I'm even more so. If you love Baal, come to the temple." And so they get them all there, like everyone who loves Baal come to the temple. Not one person doesn't love Baal. And he does a second count and he says. Um, Is there anyone who um, loves the God of Israel? I just want to make sure. And uh, if you are, you need to go outside. And so they get all these people in there who think they're getting ready to have a bail party. (laughs) Jehu has his army surround them, kills them all, piles the body on there, and turns it into a national toilet. It's now a latrine that they did latrine things on. Second Kings 10, verse 27, and they demolished the pillar of Baal and demolished the house of Baal and made it a latrine to this day. Thus Jehu wiped out Baal from Israel. I bet you didn't think you'd be hearing this this morning, did you? (laughs) One man wiped out Baal worship in the entire nation of Israel. Here's a man, he's just doing his job. He gets a call of God. He raises his hand and says yes. He separates himself to an inner chamber. He gets anointed, he gets commissioned, and out of it, he does great exploits. Exploits. Listen, guys, it may look like the good guys are down, but it's not the end of the story. God has called many, but few are chosen. I believe I'm talking to people coming out on a snowy Sunday morning who are raising their hands and saying Yes. Listen, guys, we don't need better programs, structure, and methods, although those probably aren't going to hurt us. We need people willing to give themselves fully to the secret place of prayer until their lives are anointed and they receive a word from God. From there, he will send you out with an authority on your life you've never had before. Listen, guys, it's not about spending an hour or five minutes or a, a time. It's about, it's about getting in his presence and saying, Lord, teach me how to pray. Teach me how to see. What if 90% of your secret place time wasn't asking, it was just enjoying? It was just fellowship with the person. I don't know what your relationship would be like with someone who does nothing but ask you for things, but it probably isn't going to be intimate. God is calling people today because he intends to shift the city. Some of you have a heart for Hollywood. God is about to shift Hollywood. Jesus was consistently pulling himself away from the inner room of prayer. Remember the fortress of solitude that was under attack from the bullies, from the other school, older bullies? So here we are, me and Keith Donnelly. We're up there, and they're making uh, threats in no uncertain terms what they're going to do to us if we do not give up the Fortress of Solitude. So um, bully number one begins to climb up, and we go into the armory. I don't even know how long this creek water had been sitting in there, but it stank. And so, uh, so defense number one, we begin pouring the uh, two liters, and uh, the guy's like, that stinks. What is this stuff? Ah, and so he gets off. He's done. He doesn't want any more. Bully number two comes, and we begin to rain rocks on his head like daggers out of the sky. (laughs) I mean, they're making threats on us. They got, like, sticks in their hand. Listen, guys, there is a big, they're trying to throw, like, like, the rocks back at us. There's a whole different advantage when you're, like, trying to throw it in aim versus you've got gravity, and we're raining rocks on their heads like daggers out of the sky. There's cuts. There's blood. There's extreme language. (laughs) Once they realized they were out and gone, they ran like scalded cats and never returned. Listen, guys, we protected our secret place. And you will need to protect yours as well. Listen, if you want to know if the devil's real, just try to have a secret place time and watch all of hell come against it. There's going to be distractions. All of a sudden, you're like, hey, the carpet needs vacuuming. You've never wanted to vacuum in your life, but now there's a passion to vacuum. There's all these distractions of all these things that could happen. You're going to need to protect it. You're going to need to rain down on those distractions with weapons like daggers out of the sky. There will be distractions. There will be fatigue. There's going to be emotions that try to bully you to give up your secret place. But guys, you cannot replace the secret place. When you separate yourself to that secret place, you will hear the call of God. You will be anointed. You'll get commissioned, and you'll go out and do great, great exploits. The door to your heart only opens from the inside, and God waits to be wanted. He's not going to force himself in. So here's what I want to do. I want to cl- close out this morning. Is just uh, Where in your life can you carve out some unhurried, unfrenzied time to just simply be with Jesus? Is it in the car? Is it, maybe you get to the uh, work a little bit early, and you sit in the parking lot, and you have time with him. Maybe you get up a little bit earlier. Maybe the Lord's inviting you in the middle of the night to do some stuff, and you're going to get up, and you're going to spend that time with him. And so many, many are called, but few are chosen. Guys, the call is going out to every single person in here. Hey, go Bengals. <laughs> Guys, God is good. He is good. And so, uh, you know, and he's raising up Zach to be a champion. Yeah. We got a testimony this week about uh, Zach in school and some things that he's been doing uh, mathematically that he hasn't been able to do before. And so we're just excited in what God's doing in Zach's life. So it's a good thing. So, so question number one, I want you to just begin to, well, let's just take uh, 30 seconds with the Lord and just think, God, where, where can I do that? What I wanted to do is I wanted to arouse your sweet tooth. I want to interrupt and say, you know what, uh, I need that. I, I need a word for my family. I need a word for my workplace. I, I need that. So just, let's just take a few moments and just say, oh, Holy Spirit, where can I do that? Where, where can I get that unhurried, unfrenzied time with you? Don't try to be a hero and make it an hour if you're not used to doing an hour. Three minutes counts. Okay, so just take 30 seconds and just see what the Lord gives you. Where can I find that unhurried, unfrenzy secret place time? Here's what I want to do. I want to give us a, uh, a chance. To, uh, we're going to take two minutes. So we're going to practice the secret place. Four areas, 30 seconds, two minutes. You guys ready? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah! Oh, good, good. Yeah, I was waiting for that yes. All right. Many called. Yes, or the chose. Okay. So, um, the Bible gives us just a real clear prescription for just how we can come in his presence. Enter His gates with thanksgiving enter his courts with praise, okay? So getting our, our eyes off of ourselves and onto God is a great way to begin to get, to, to get into that secret place time. So here's what I want to do, is uh, I want us to um, just enter his gates with thanksgiving. We're going to look at four different areas. We're going to look at one area at a time. You're going to take 30 seconds and just thank him for something, okay? So the first, uh, here, I'll give you the four areas, just so you know where we're going. Uh, we're going to thank him for something in his creation, glory of his creation, a material blessing, a relational blessing, someone in your life. And a spiritual blessing. Okay, so we're gonna just do the first one here. We're gonna take thirty seconds. And so just between you and the Lord, get off those distractions. If someone makes noise, listen. You're shutting those distractions. You're 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 okay. Ready? So first thing, thirty seconds. Just thank God in your own words for the glory of His creation. Something that you just love about His creation. Area number two, just uh, 30 seconds of thankfulness for a material, uh, material blessing, something that he's given you, a material blessing. Take 30 seconds and be thankful for a relational blessing, someone in your life. Last one, let's take 30 seconds for a spiritual blessing, something that you're thankful for spiritually that given you. All right, before we close out, Mary's got something here, my wife.
1: Well, that was amazing, honey, first of all. I feel like I watched about three different TV shows this morning. <laughs> Didn't you feel like you were there? That was amazing. Um, well, when you're in the secret place, I like to ask God questions. <clears throat> and um, so something that uh, when you were talking about the chosen um, When you quite didn't know where you were going, I feel like you actually did know where you were going. I forgot
0: all about that part, but thank you. Yeah,
1: no, you you wrapped it up. All right, right, all right, all right. That was right. Um, So, um, something that uh, the Lord said in pre service prayer for you guys, um, I want to kind of set this up. I released this dream um, maybe six or eight months ago that I had about. I had a dream that people were coming to like a window, like you would come and like get fast food or something, but it was, the Lord was handing out assignments for that season. And, um, but what I saw was people walking up to the window and some people would say yes to the assignment and take it. And other people would be like, (laughs) no, not taking that assignment. And what happened was in that season, they ended up with no assignment. So they felt a little lost This morning, when we were praying for everyone, the Lord brought that dream back up to me because I heard him say that this morning he wants to redeem the no's, the people who um, did not want that assignment. And um, you guys know God's the redeemer, right, of time and, and everything, money, space, everything, and so even when we say no, sometimes to the Lord, he, he wants to put us right back on track, and he can do that because he's outside of time. So <clears throat> we're going to um, take another couple of minutes and ask the Lord about your assignment. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. So I want you to close. Those your- are the
0: chosen that just said yes. Yes, so the that. chosen.
1: Yes. <laughs> um, okay, so I want you to close your eyes again. <clears throat> So this is what I want you to ask the Lord first. Lord, am I doing your assignment right now or my own assignment? And one way to know that is to ask the Lord this. What is your assignment for me in this season? Could be a new job an extracurricular activity. It could be just simply somebody who needs you to hang out with them and disciple them more. Repeat the question. What is your assignment for me in this season? And once you hear something or see something, or maybe a person flash through your mind, I want you to write it down. Just take a second and write it down. Maybe you don't have paper, type it in your phone, text it to yourself, email it. Because I don't want you walking out not remembering. Because I think like when we're kind of in this space, we're kind of in the anointing, we're we're in God's presence, it's like we feel him. And then sometimes we walk out and we forget everything that he said sometimes. So I want you guys to take a second and write down what he just told you, what is your assignment this season? And it could be more than one thing. So I want to also just take some time and just pray over this. And... um, Man, if you said no to the Lord, like no to that assignment, maybe there's just like just some like repentance just from turning from your the, the assignment that you made up in your head. So, Lord, right now, we just we're sorry for for taking on our own assignment. If that's what happened, we're sorry for any no's. We told you, God, we know that you put us in the right place at the right time, the right place at the right time. And God, we are conduits for your glory. We're conduits for your will, for your way on this planet. We're conduits of your love, your expression, God, your goodness. And so, God, we just pick up that assignment once again. We just give you a fresh yes. We love you, Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Why don't you guys stand? Let's close it out by watching that final scene with Hulk Hogan and Iron Sheik. Let's... (laughs) So good. Lord, you're awesome. You're the best. And I just thank you for raising up people, Lord. And Lord, I just thank you for a grace to push off those distractions and carve out that time. God, whether it's minutes or whatever it is, that unhurried, unfrenzied time where we're just with you and we can share our heart and you can share your heart and we can... Have that friendship that's built, God. And I think that people are going to be anointed. They're going to be commissioned. They're going to go out and do great exploits. So what I bless your people to be the most dangerous people in Columbus, Ohio, to do uh, uh, constant acts of creative goodness, to be bright light, strong salt, and spread and leaven. So I bless your people.